Hello. This is the Fight Back Podcast, hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Very. Here you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard. Martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Hey there, Conscious Combat Soul. What, you? Yes, I'm talking to you. If you listen to this podcast, then you are a human being who loves combat and wants to be conscious about the way that you're doing it. You're interested in being more trauma-informed, more inclusive, and more ethical in the way that you teach and participate in martial arts and combat sports. And that's why I would like to invite you specifically to join our new group, the Conscious Combat Club. We're on Facebook, and there's an emailing newsletter that you can sign up for, the details for both of which are in the show notes here. But now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome to the Fight Back Podcast, everyone. I am here today with Les Bubka. Les is involved with teaching karate to people with disabilities, and he's also the founder of Karate for Mental Health, which I'm very excited to learn all about. Les, welcome to the show. Welcome, Georgina. Happy to be here. Amazing. Can you please tell me a little bit more about you, who you are, how you got into karate, the whole story? We want to hear it all. No problem. Uh, my name is Les Bubka. I'm a Polish, so I was born in Krakow. Uh, moved to UK in 2007. I started my adventure with martial arts and stepping into a Oyama Karate Dojo, which is the offshoot of Kyokushin at 14. Then I had a bit of an accident with my shoulder, which uh, dislocated, not related to karate, I had to stop. Um, stepping back to the dojo in 1997 and since then training karate plus wrestling. Uh, I suffer with a, a huge uh, social anxiety which is preventing me from doing simple things like going to shops, um, meeting people, uh, failing school, etc, etc. And karate helped me to overcome that um, through the training. Uh, at the moment, I'm working with uh, mental health charities, uh, providing sessions for uh, their clients. Uh, I work with people with disabilities, ranging from deafness to MS. Um, and we're having fun and promoting inclusion in our club and basically having fun. Oh my God, I want to know so much about your program. So maybe let's go one thing at a time tell me about what a class looks like with someone with a hearing disability because i know karate can often be really difficult um if there's a lot of sound bouncing off the walls and there's lots of noises that go on with karate from hitting pads to the key eyes and, and everything like that so what do you do differently uh, so it was a process of learning mm-hmm. because uh, i think we're all um, let people say uh I'm nearly full, fully able, right? I'm more, more able than others. Mm-hmm. And we have one, one of the students who is profoundly deaf since born. Uh, she libred. So it was a lot of misunderstanding. You know, I because I had problems with my teeth, I lost my teeth very early. Uh, my habit is to put my hand in front of mouth. Mm. which is preventing a person who reads libreads from understanding what I'm saying. So it was kind of uh, adapting it to changing my habits and their habits. Um, so what I do is I always face the person who uh, is hard of hearing so they can see exactly what, what I'm saying. 
I use a lot of gestures, like now, as you don't see it on camera, but I'm using mm -hmm. my hands and talking. Uh, I had to learn a little bit of a uh, Makaton uh, and a simple um, sign language. Although I'm a paramedic by trade from Poland, I'm used to it to a Polish sign language. So mm -hmm. English sign language is different. So it was a bit of a learning. But although we're not using that much of a, uh, a language, so I don't know uh, much of it, but we rely on me showing and demonstrating very slowly uh, in detail. And Alex, the, the student that you've got, um, kind of uh, is like a satellite. So she's moving around whatever she wants to see, she needs to move around, yeah? But the, but the session is targeted, my focus is mainly on her. So making sure that she can hear, see what I'm saying, if that makes sense. Definitely. And do you work with anyone who uses a hearing aid? Uh, yes, we, we, we welcome everybody. It doesn't matter what, what disability and we find a way. Uh, my, my way of doing things is uh, I've got very individual approach. So within the class, I modify whatever I do to accommodate everybody. So there is no exclusion. It's included right so it's based on the individual right for one person i might, might do this for other person that i just try to adopt as much as i can right yes i love that um and i'm asking quite specific questions because i have a friend and client who is profoundly deaf and she trains online because mm. it's much easier for her to connect her hearing aid and be um, you know, not have distracting noises also getting picked up when she's getting me through the headphones. And she's been thinking about designing a program to teach martial arts in the US uh, for people with uh, hearing disabilities. So, so I was really curious to hear how you work around particularly hearing aids because that's something that's been quite a barrier for her face-to-face. Uh, -face. So we've been, we've been trying to work with uh, creating our version of Makaton including, mm -hmm. you know, uh, karate nomenclature, so, mm -hmm. you know, kicks and stuff like that, the Japanese names. But on the end, uh, she just takes her uh, hearing aid off mm. because she's got a cognitive one, so the implant into the skull. Mm -hmm. And she said there's a lot of um, um, background noise she yeah. can focus on. She just literally takes it off. It's uh, deaf. We can cry and whatever. It just makes it harder to talk to her. But we develop a kind of... I like jokes, right? My my coping strategy was to be a class joker, mm -hmm. and that stayed with me. So we do a lot of uh, silly conversation, taking pick picky on each other, and taking Mickey of each other. And you know, she say, "Oh, why did you not say that loud enough? Or why did you not say that? Why did you not do that?" And I say, "You know, why did you not listen?" Mm -hmm. It's just you know, some new people who come in thinking like, "Oh no, he didn't say that." <laughs> but you know, we're working seven years together, so we know what we can get away with without okay. upsetting each other so, so it's just you know just I think the main thing is to understand that there will be mistakes there will be misunderstanding and just take it lightly and, uh, and, and play with it for sure and what does the class look like kind of from start to finish uh, so I'm not I'm not kind of usual karate person we don't do strict lines it's all very uh, friendly and open so people come in and welcome them we talk about what we're going to do, so the kind of program, what I want them to achieve. Um, with the warm-up, uh, I kind of adapt whatever. So Alex, the deaf, deaf girl, uh, she got problems with lower back as well, so not everything in the warm-up she's going to do. 
uh, but we're trying to just warm up. Then we do a, a technical stuff. So uh, whatever we're working for, maybe grappling, maybe striking, maybe takedowns. And I try to explain it in kind of three ways, right? So verbal, visual, and sensory. Mm -hmm. I'm a sensory person, so when I feel it, that gets in there, right? But other people see, prefer different ways. So I try to accommodate all that. Uh, then we're going to play. Uh, so whatever we learn, we're testing in a play uh, kind of atmosphere. And then we've got a cool down and then have a chat, laugh and stay for drinks or whatever, whatever we need to do, right? So most of my, I kind of run the project with elderly as well, which they are hard of hearing as well. So we always stay for half an hour tea and biscuit, which is more important than exercising. Mm -hmm. Of course. But it's kind of looking like that. I, I try to use a lot of games uh, within warm up and stuff like that. So, you know, we learn better when we play instead of being a strict uh, karate instructor and saying, no, oh, this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, this is wrong. That's, uh, so that's, that's how it looks usually. I love that. Yeah, it's a strength-based strength based approach, uh, but using play as part of it. Mm. Sounds sounds so much fun. I want to come and train with you all. <laughs> always welcome. If you're in, around here, always welcome. If I get to the UK, I'm going to come. You're on my list now. There's there's many great programs in the UK. Um, so who else is in the class? Are people hard of hearing? Do, and so it's everyone all in one class, so people with MS, various disabilities, all in one group, and, like, how many people? So I'm, I'm running uh, four different classes. Okay. So I've got one for, a, um, let's say, they call themselves not so young. So it's uh, 50 to 90-year-olds. Yes. And we do a meditation. So we're using forms from karate in a kind of relaxive uh mobility way mm -hmm. uh, we've got the my karate program where everybody's welcome so i i promote inclusion which i'm going to talk about in a second i explain what i mean by ex exclusion uh, inclusion and then i've got the specific program within the charity where it's for only for their clients who suffer with mental health issues um so anybody from their program can come and, and train uh, plus, I teach kettlebells for my group, uh, mainly women who want to go uh, stronger and more confident. Uh, so there, there is kind of, uh, that, that group is fully able, but some people have uh, issues like, you know, uh, an anxiety, depression, uh, mm -hmm. menopause and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. <clears throat> so, but all classes are inclusive, right? I don't agree with um, promotion of inclusion by let's group the disabled people in one class and able people in another class. Mm -hmm. For me, that's exclusion, right? Mm -hmm. they, we should be training all together because uh, fully able people uh, are not aware of challenges of people who have disabilities. And the people with disabilities often are so excluded from able people that they don't know how to behave together. So I try to bring people all together and we learn from each other. Student, anger management, alcoholic, recovering alcoholic, uh, cancer patient, uh, what else we've got, anger management. So kind of is kind of whoever comes in mm -hmm. and we try to um, figure out a way how to work together and not um, kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> the goal of every karate club. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you have women's only classes or classes for people uh, who identify I with womanhood? I, I don't have uh, women only classes. 
Uh, I don't know what have happened, but after the pandemic, I noticed a huge drop of um, female practitioners. Mm-hmm. I think maybe uh, women being more affected by uh, mental health and uh, during the pandemic, and and they lost a little bit of con- confidence. I'm kind of odd club because, big club because I always had more women than men in the club, mm-hmm. so it was always seventy thirty. And now it dropped to ninety straight after. Uh, pandemics and 90% of men, 10% of women, but I focus advertising uh, more on women. So we, we are steadily growing our members. So it's about now it's about 60, 40 men to women. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think, I think in the UK, in karate environment, it's kind of um, not geared very well for welcoming women. Mm. You know, it's very masculine. And you've got the same problem in kickboxing, right? Although kickboxing doing a great job, at least in the UK, doing a lot of uh, female-only classes. Mm-hmm. But in karate, it is still a male-dominated uh, environment, which is a shame, right? Because uh, I've got very good instruct- female instructors and, and, and competitors and stuff, and I think it should be it should be equal anyway. So. Yeah, definitely. It's really interesting that that's been the experience in the UK post-COVID, because um, we've noticed a similar thing, not at my programs that I run because they are all all women, um, but the club where I train, we noticed a huge drop-off in, in the women on the mats um, in jiu-jitsu post-COVID. Mm. It was like a lot of people stopped and never came back. So it would be a very interesting area of study for someone to look into mm. is what was the impact of COVID on women in being able to return to martial arts it seems like a bit of a trend internationally yeah but the only only uh, kind of um difference is that uh, my meditation class it's 99 percent of women Mm -hmm. well one person for 23 is a one one male and me Mm -hmm. so that's two of us being Mm -hmm. dominated by uh, ladies enjoying the kind of meditation and relaxation and what is it? An eyes open meditation, like stretching meditation. It's, it's like Tai Chi. But okay. I don't know nothing about Tai Chi, and uh, so I used to be a walk leader for a walking walking. What was it? it, it now it's ended the program, but it was a walking for health. Mm-hmm. So I was a walk leader. So we used to walk for walks, and um, about four, forty people just chatting, and and they said that you know uh, they've been doing Tai Chi, mm-hmm. but the price has been hiked up. Tai chi, tai chi in UK is quite expensive. Mm. So they said, well, we're not really affording it. Um, and we're looking for something else. And I said, they said, oh, are you doing karate? Can I do something like that? Well, let's have a go. Yeah. And seven years now, we're doing, we call it Tai so um, body conditioning. And we're using the uh, slow music and using the karate forms to slow down and focus on different areas. So because we've got a lot of turns in, in forms. Uh, standing on one leg and stuff like that so you can use that as a you know balance training uh, special awareness and stuff mm-hmm. like that so so that's the way we do it but like I said most important are tea and biscuit so we, with that program I focused on preventing loneliness and depression mm-hmm. I don't know how it's in, in, in Australia but in UK the family model is that uh, you grow up uh, you study your own family and you leave your um, parents behind so they often uh, alone and isolated. So mm-hmm. we try to bring them together and create a group, support group. 
so best example is when we started, people was like individuals. Mm-hmm. And now when it comes winter or summer, they're going for markets together, trips together. So so they support each other. They ring each other. How are you today? You know, and they never knew them be- before. So I think that's amazing for martial arts and all kind of sports and groups that you create that community that can support each other and, and check in. On. So they're not sitting alone, especially in summer and winter, you know, when people are going for holidays. Uh, I run my classes through whole season, so I don't do uh, school terms. I mm-hmm. teach all the way. And they, the feedback was that, you know, it's great that you're teaching in summer because all the other clubs are stopping because the children are not training. And I carry on and I said, it's great because my family goes for holiday. I have nobody to talk to. At least I can go and do that classes and, and chat, right? Because I kind of don't teach children at the moment. So it's purely for adults. Yeah, so having the tea and biscuits afterwards, um, running the whole way through, the program existing. Are there any other things that you've done to try and foster that sense of community? I'm sure a lot of listeners or instructors listening would be thinking like, oh, my God, that sounds like a great community that he's developed. I Mm. wonder how I can develop a community like that. Uh, So um, how to develop it? Uh, Just be yourself, really. You know, uh, I had a lot of feedback for all my classes is that uh, when people coming in, they feel very welcome. Mm-hmm. So I like to start with showing my own vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the, the macho teacher who needs to prove everybody that, you know, I'm the boss here and stuff. Now I'm just the person there and uh, I start telling my story. You know, I know everybody comes in. I know how it is to step in into the dojo with huge anxiety and being scared of everything. And I just tell them my story and kind of catch the connection. And if people know that I'm not the superhero, I'm a normal person who went through own troubles or all mental health problems, um, they feel welcome. Then, you know, I try to encourage my team that, you know, uh, everybody is welcome. I hate in martial arts that coming to the dojo, sometimes especially in big dojos, and you've got the groups, right? There's a group of guys there, there's a group of women there, and a group of competitors here, and nobody talks to everybody. I, mm-hmm. I like that my on my classes, everybody is apart from day one, right? You're stepping in, and all my students know that they need to go and chat with that person, right? Because that's that, that person's gonna be excluded. They don't know how to start. We're not all I'm I'm crap with the sorry, I don't know if I can you can swear, you can swear, you can say crap, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a person who likes small talk. I'm struggling with small talk. It's a lot of work for over years to be able to go and speak with people freely and don't kind of shut down. So I kind of know what people are going through mm-hmm. and I try to show them that I know I've been there. Uh, and from there we take it, right? It's not for everybody. Not everybody stays with us. No, not everybody likes that. Mm-hmm. I've got a um, lot of um, resistance from a proper karate dojo that, you know, that's not karate because you're not doing in lines, you're not strict, you're not, you're not traditional, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems to be working. We've got about 50 people training with us. So not massive, but, you know, big enough to make a difference in the community. And we work a, a lot. I work a lot with um, uh, local government here, which is great. For supporting so they they keep throwing at me oh maybe you want to do this project maybe you want that project so so i kind of jumping between projects you know, you know with autism with uh, disabilities with elderly 
Whatever, whatever you want me to do, the answer is yes. The answer is always us. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, so let's talk a bit more about the anxiety piece. Maybe we could start more with some of your experiences. What was it like stepping on the mat with anxiety, if that was what it was for you? Uh, I, I nearly didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've always been interested in, in martial arts. I loved Van uh, uh, Damme. Mm-hmm. Blood sport was the kind of, uh, I know everybody says Bruce Lee, for me it was Van Damme. Not the Enter of the Dragon, it was a blood sport. Um, and I wanted to go, I've been uh, exchanging uh, ideas with our my, my very few friends uh, from school. And he said, well, I'm going for karate, so we should go together. And I said, yeah, yeah, okay. But I thought, no, nah, I'm not going. Mm-hmm. I can't go, you know. I'm too scared, what's going to people like? They're going to judge me. I had a huge fear of being judged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't do any of that. They're wearing those white pajamas and stuff like that. I just hate the idea of it. But then he said, you know, we're going on Monday. I said, yeah, okay, come and pick me up. He actually came and picked me up, convinced me. But, you know, I had a old Tommy upset, being on the toilet 10 times, went there, and I felt like, what am I doing here? And it's mm-hmm. old people, you know, jumping around, training, fighting, laughing. And the first thing was they laughing at me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm here as a joker. I can't do anything, you know. I'm a failure. I, I can't do this. How would I be able to do this? All of they laughing at me. But um, yeah, the instructor was very welcoming as well. Um, he said, you know, have a try with us, have this, have that. And I kind of was hooked in. Yeah, prior to that, I started doing gym. So the physical exercises was a great escape. During the lifting weights, I could kind of stop forgetting about stop thinking about an anxiety what people think about me mm-hmm. just focus on not dropping that bar on my head right that yep. keeps you <laughs> keeps you focused yes and 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 from that community of guys in the gym uh was that you know actually people don't don't necessarily judge you they worry about their own looks their own weight lifting and stuff like that so in that way a little bit broke me into the training mentality when when i noticed after that first session that actually people have um focused on 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 their progression and and kicking you instead of what they think about you uh it was like yes this is my spot i cannot think about my old problems or, or feelings i have to focus on overcoming my uh physical abilities and technical stuff and and slowly become a instead of being forced to go it was like, yes, I want to go. I want to have that hour and a half of peace of mind and and, and doing stuff, right? Yes, that comes up so much, that sense of flow, of being like totally lost in what you're doing, of focusing so much that there's not space for thinking about all of the other chatter that tends to come up in our minds. Um, so I think a lot of people would relate to a story like that. It doesn't get told that frequently, but I think a lot of people have similar experiences when they're first starting or with other things. I, th- I think that's why my, my book in, uh, sorry, plugging in my book. Plug um, your book, please. <laughs> so I wrote the Actually Black Belt, which is the, the my story, which has been very well received by a karate community. And I think I'm the first kind of person within the group I know I'm sure there's people who share their stories as well. Um, Shown that uh, the martial artist can be vulnerable and we don't have to be macho men and, and pointing that, you know, men as well going through the rough time and, you know, crimes and cry sometimes and and feeling very weak and vulnerable. So 
um, yeah, that was kind of my 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 contribution to martial art world. For sure, in Oyama Karate, do they always say you know in the kun like we will train our hearts and bodies for a firm, unshaking spirit is like very much the first thing. It's like mm. there is no wavering. You are a rock. You are a warrior. There is no emotion apart from humility. Um, if, mm. if that's an emotion, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I see. I've got a problem with that. That's my that's my second book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the dark side dark side of the karate mm. because there is so many values promoted but actually if you look look deep inside not many people actually do what they want you to do so there is a lot of uh shady practices in karate which i, I don't agree i went through a lot of political turmoil and uh it's it's karate likes to look gallant but it is as any other sport, and when the money are involved, power, there's a lot of corruption and greed and, and, and very bad practices, which sure. not everybody wants to share and tell about, right? We don't want to put, us, put students out of training, but I think if people are informed, they can choose the right dojo and look for uh, uh, problems that might be within that club organization, et cetera, et cetera. 100%. I think you said it all, right? It's not it's not about karate's the best or kickboxing the best or jiu-jitsu's the best. It's about where's the best dojo? Where is the best instructor with the best culture? They're they're really all the same teaching different things. It's the instructors and the clubs that are going to make the difference there. Mm. Definitely, definitely. If if so I like to train everywhere, right? I do. I used to do wrestling, jiu-jitsu, boxing, uh, try kickboxing, whatever, judo, wrestling is a big part of my training. Yep. And I always looked not for a, a performance orientated. I always look what the teacher is like, right? So I need to feel comfortable and safe. If I don't feel comfortable and safe, my training is not going to be the great, right? If I'm constantly pushed, I know that I will be fighting back. I've got a huge problem with authorities. So if somebody tells me do this, my natural response is, nah, I'm probably wrong. I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't kind of uh, enforce on people um, what to do. Uh, I, I try to convince people that this is what we do. This is how we do. But from day one, I encourage people to go somewhere else, right? I hate when uh, dodgers saying that, you know, oh, don't go there. And we've got the joke inside that they say, you know, don't go to that dodger because they might be better than us, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, any dojos with or clubs with the ban on cross-training is um, mm. hugely, hugely disappointing and clearly egos on display. Let's talk more about the martial arts program. So you have the, the class, which is the Karate for Martial um, mental health. Mental health. <laughs> We're doing really well today, everyone. Um, so the karate for mental health. Again, what does that look like? How does it look different to like your regular karate, or is it similar to some of your other programs? Are there any special considerations uh, there? Uh, there's, there's always a special considerations, right? Because uh, whoever steps into to the uh, training environment is different. Mm-hmm. So I kind of um, do I like a pre-screening. Mm-hmm. Uh, as softly as I can, because not everybody is comfortable about talking their, their problems, especially with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, I, I ask people, what should I be aware of? 
Yep. You know, do you have like a trigger, trigger words, trigger behaviors? Mm-hmm. You know, I, do, I don't want to make you upset in the, in the stuff yep. in, in a class. So more information you can share with me, the more I can be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, we, 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 we're trying to do whatever we can. Uh, from experience, the people with uh, severe mental health have got also health issues. Mm-hmm. So my my uh, uh, class within the mental health organization is not as demanding as my usual class. Mm-hmm. So we don't do takedowns because we don't have maths. Uh, we do a lot of pad work. I'm finding that pad work, you probably learned that the same thing, hitting things, making people so much happier. That, that, that release of the stresses, uh, the physical tiredness, the focus, the coordination, it's, it's great. Um, they love that. So we do a lot of basics, uh, forms, and pad work in, in that particular class because this is the, the, not the easiest, but the most able part of training what I do because I do a lot of throws, takedowns with the groundwork. And not everybody is a comfortable in such a close uh, contact. Mm-hmm. No, not everybody like in my class. Not everybody likes to be touched. So having a gloves and punching their pads gives them that barrier, and they feel more secure, more comfortable. Yeah. Um, so for people with uh, severe mental health, it's more mostly a kind of um, movement based mm-hmm. plus the pad work. Uh, in my other class, we do everything. So. We like wrestle and, and we like cuddles. Really, really, really nice people. We like cuddling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're doing Brazilian. I'm guessing you're doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well. So you know, yeah, you you know how it is, right? After, when you got the barrier of being uh, uncomfortable, it's actually quite nice uh, feeling to be able to feel other person and not be stressed by it. It gives yep. you a kind. Of, it's kind of like swimming, right? You're going stepping into a wrestling or or a grappling school, and you feel like you're drowning. You've got people on you, you know, holding you, trying to choke you. But then after after a little bit, you're becoming more comfortable with the being in water and, and start to swim, right? And, and start to flourish and enjoying it. So so I try to do the same, right? Yeah, I love that you covered that, right? Because it's again, it's not like kickboxing's better or grappling's better. Like they all have their positives. It's great sometimes oh. and for some people to be able to create distance, to have space, but also to get the outlet from like hitting pads and 100%. Like my favorite thing about my job is people's face when they hit pads for the first time or it's the first time of the day and it makes that really good cracking noise. And they're just like, oh, it's delight, right? It's play. Like you said, when if you think about creating games, hitting pads is like play. So long as you let it be, if you don't go around being the really serious professor who needs everything to be done perfectly, then it becomes play and it's wonderful. And, and I agree, grappling is we call aggressive cuddles usually. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed in, in, in the years of training with both that uh, there's two types of people, right? There's the strikers and the cuddlers. Mm-hmm. Um, when I step into to the wrestling dojo, it was a huge, huge shock. But uh, I can tell you that if I went first to wrestling, I would never never start karate mm-hmm. because I, I just like to be close, right? I'm... Uh, I've been taught how to punch. It's not natural response for me to punch, but it's natural response for me to grab. Mm-hmm. So even with the sparring, I naturally try to grab. If I'm under stress, it's throwing. It's throwing. Mm-hmm. I'll be throwing. I will hit you with the planet. That's what it is. 
Oh, you're like the opposite to me, I think. <laughs> I'm much more anyway, comfortable striking. Yeah, but exactly, think, that's think, the thing. Yeah, I think that's that's what the strategy has been um, from the like uh, Asian past. You know, some people being restless, the other people prefer to strike. You know, just how do you deal with the world? And it, it, it's dipping within you, right? It's like a genetic, genetic makeup, if I can put it that far. Yeah, I think for sure. I think personality has a genetic component to it, which it certainly seems to. And even if it doesn't, whatever personality you arrive at on the mats, it's great to meet people where they are um, and to give them options to choose between what speaks to them because that's what accessibility and inclusion kind of is, right? It's giving people options. Exactly. What's the next plans? What's plans? What's going to happen with the program? What's in the pipeline? Uh, So we... We try to do Karate for Mental Health as a charity in UK. Okay. But looking into it, into it, it's so much work that having a young family, I can't, I can't dedicate it to it. Mm-hmm. So we decide, decided to do a movement so people can join in. Uh, we've got about 20-something dodgers now participating in the program where we try to support each other, uh, promote the practices. So we've got quite a few people who are uh, clinicians, mm-hmm. uh, mental health clinicians. So we try to get information from them. We're sharing our experiences. So I share with people um, how I work with my local government, what type of grants are available for help, helping our dojos. Uh, I've got a lot of people um, asking me, you know, I've got a disabled student with this or that. How would you approach? What would you do? So it's kind of starting to be like a coaching coaches, if you yes. see what I mean. Um, I'm studying now with Open University how to become a mentor. Uh, and coach coaches um, so so I think that's going to be the focus we've got a few um, books in the pipeline uh, which character for mental health mm-hmm. which is the stories of my students and how in detail how um, karate helped them mm-hmm. because there's not much um, studies into how karate or martial arts are actually impacting the mental health mm-hmm. so my, my dream would be in a, in a future to do karate on the same level as a uh, dance therapy or yep. uh, art therapy. So you could be uh, kind of, what you, what's the word? What's the, what's the word? You could be sent by a doctor, you know, go to karate. Ah, uh, referred, referred. You know, referred, that's the one. Refer to a karate club. This is for you. Good, good for you. Good for your mental health. And just be uh, sent by the doctor. So that, that's my, my long-term work. And short-term work is working on promoting uh, mental health, benefits of karate, inclusion. i finding that a lot of um, dojos would like to do inclusion, but they don't have training. There's mm-hmm. no uh, specific co- uh, courses in UK. I couldn't find any. Mm-hmm. So I'm working all on a course for uh, karate for mental health with a specific tools for teaching. Because there is a lot of uh, theory and kind of um, how to work within the line of the law to not be sued. You mm-hmm. see what I mean? Kind of yes. protection side for people. But there is no courses for specific tools. You know, you've got a deaf person, use a makaton, use this, use that. People get lost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with, with autistic students, how do you have to structure the class so they are not taken by surprise? You change the schedule. So we try to keep uh, 
I put a messenger group when I'm saying this is what's going to be on the training. So autistic students can go, yes, okay, I know what I'm going, I'm comfortable, and then there's no sudden changes. So I'm focusing on that course at the moment and, and, and we'll see how it goes. That's fantastic. I can already think of a bunch of people uh, to connect you to as well for my <laughs> connections in the in the UK who would be interested in joining something like that. I think it's wonderful to have um, an aligned movement. Like 20 clubs mm. is really fantastic because then you start to get a much bigger referral network where, you know, exactly like you said, if this person wants to start karate, they are in this area of the UK. Mm. Do you know of any clubs that are nearby to them and I think for sure I want the same thing you think of it to dance movement therapy I'm always saying to Mm. people you know trauma sensitive yoga that's going to be your how it's kind of household name like most people have sort of heard of it but you say trauma informed martial arts and they're like I could see that would be good but I've never heard of it that's what that's what I think this, the movement is gunning towards and there's, there's so many people doing work like yourself, right, that is is pushing us in that direction. So it's super cool. Um, one thing you touched on before was the benefits of karate for mental health. So in your experience, what are some of those? So uh, I, I used to, I say this, uh, karate has got a built-in control failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which uh, translates, so most of my students like myself are low, low self-esteem, right? And uh, you've got grades in kickboxing, right? Pardon? So there's gra- grades you've got in kickboxing? Grades, right? yeah, no, grades, there's, well, there's, no, some some clubs have tried to, but there's not, uh, but I did Kyokushin, so. I'm- mm, so so you're, you're familiar, right? So you've got those belts and, and you're starting on the white belt or whatever color you want to call mm. Um and you, in that process, you know you're going to fail, right? Yep. So you're failing the first belt, you have to overcome that, right? So I try to point out it's not a failure, it's a learning experience, right? And with that process of the 10 belts, you're going through the harder, harder things. And when you overcome that, you start uh, noticing and look back in the retrospection that, yeah, I failed there, but I picked myself up and overcome that. And within the time, I'm noticing that this mentality is uh, being brought into life. Mm-hmm. So the student with low self-esteem say, hey, I failed here, but I picked myself. And look, two years later, I'm doing more and more and more. So we're shifting the mindset of I can't do it to I will try. Mm-hmm. I take it as a challenge. I conquer. Mm-hmm. I'm not a failure. Look how much stuff I've done before mm-hmm. and look how much things I can achieve. There will be tough times ahead, mm-hmm. but I can do it, right? I've done karate. I can do it. So the, the, the best example I'm using is my student, Danny, who is autistic. He came to us um, and couldn't be in a club without a parent and a brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wouldn't go on the, like events and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Everything was, I don't want to do it. I don't mm-hmm. want to swim. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do this. Now it's seven years later. He's a brown belt getting ready for a, a black belt. I think next year he's going to be going for it. And he's on his own going for events up to 200 people. Uh, recently joined international seminars when he doesn't know anybody except me or a couple of other guys. He's thriving. His mentality change. Oh, I want this. It's a challenge. I'm going to take it as a challenge, right? 
and everything is like you know, I'm struggling, and his 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 motto is black belt, black belt, black belt. Whatever struggle he comes in, I want a black belt. I need to do it. I want a black belt. You know, so he's changed completely. His, mm-hmm. his parents were it's karate. He's done other things. Uh, I'm sure it's you know mix of um, his therapist and other activities. For sure. But we managed to shift that mentality from I afraid of this thing to this is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Let's see how I can do, right? And I keep saying to my son as well, because he said, Oh, what happens if he's fine? What happens if I'm not gonna be good in my uh, boogie pumps or whatever dancing he does? And I said, I don't care. You can be the worst person, but I want you to try your best. If you try mm-hmm. your best and took the challenge, you're a winner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's the biggest message in martial arts, isn't it? And life, just try, give it a try. Definitely, it's the shift from fixed mindset to growth mindset. You yeah. know, fixed mindset is all about only taking risks so long as there's a guarantee that you're going to come off well and prove how good you are, or if there's no chance at all that you're going to succeed, and then you can say, oh, well, you know, a white belt fighting a black belt. Oh, well, they were a black belt. I was never going to win anyway. So you have your excuse. But the growth mindset is being like, I'm going to try. I want the challenge. I want to get better. I want to learn. And, yeah, I think it's a great explanation of how karate does help people shift their Mm -hmm. mindset in that way. Thank you, because I'm not very good with words. (laughs) (laughs) It comes naturally to me to speak and explain things. Well, that's the thing, right? Karate is so sensory as well, too. Mm. It's sensory and experiential. So if you can't work things out by listening to verbal instructions, you can feel for your body how it's going to work. And in some ways it's better because everybody's got a different body. Everyone has different strength in different muscles. Everyone has different length limbs, strengths, weaknesses. So you have the opportunity to be a different learning style and still, you know, thrive and see that like, oh, I can do it. Um, And it's experiential because you get to experience that. It's not just like I have an idea in my head that maybe one day I could get towards my black belt. It's like, no, literally I wear, I'm wearing the brown belt. I'm going to be a black belt. And I have evidence for that because I've passed all these other tests and now I can do all these things that never in my wildest dreams I imagined would be possible. Uh, exactly. And you know, the, the truth is in all martial arts, uh, feeling is believing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can talk. I talk. Yes. I can talk to you about stuff. I can show you stuff, but till you not try it, you won't know. You can only imagine. Definitely, definitely. And then the interesting part comes when you get the black belt, and you realize the black belt means nothing. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you've got to go back again to the start of realizing that you thought some some external thing that was going to come from having a black belt actually wasn't there, and. Yes, that, there's that, some that, peace that, in that. that <laughs> realizations that actually uh, nothing changed. I still have to work out. I still have to progress. It's, it's just so I, I kind of don't agree with people saying you know oh it's a it's a it's a beginning. This is not a beginning. It's you're in the middle, right? You're just progressing further. You're not suddenly forgetting everything and you're learning from from beginnings. So, so it's just a natural progression. But it is not. It, you know, we used to say that. Um, Oh, you know, look, he's a nine, nine's done and stuff like that. And one of my friends in Germany said, why are you saying, you know, he's like a god, right? Why, why, why are you saying like that? He's going to the toilet, he's eating, everything. Mm-hmm. He's just a normal person. He just wears a colorful belt. You know, so just treat him normally. 
So that's I'm kind of allergic for it. She hunts, hunches, uh, kaijos and stuff like that. You know, just normal people. If if people um like we started our conversation about titles today, right? If people coming on seminars and stuff when I'm teaching uh, either in UK or abroad and uh, start saying, oh, ooh, sensei, no, no, stop that. I'm not a sensei, I'm less, you know? We're here to have fun. I'm not here for you to bow me because the culture in karate, as you know probably from Kyokushin, I don't know how it was in, in Australia, but in Poland and, and UK, it's to the degree that you've been in the shops and people coming to you, ooh, and you think like, we're in a shop, can you just... <laughs> Go away! Don't embarrass me, you know. So I never liked that 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 kind of um, title uh, madness. So I just if you see me anywhere, dodge or whatever, I'm just less. If you want to address me, sensei, that's fine, but I prefer less. Sorry, interesting, right? A good friend of mine. Uh, I was having a conversation with him about the senpai kohai model, mm-hmm. right, seniors before juniors, and it's very much entrenched throughout karate. He said, what if we flipped that? And we talked about, and I talk about this with a lot of my clients that I work with, what if we flipped that? And so it was the coach showing reverie, gratitude and respect to each client for the fact that they came on the mat, they're trusting you to teach you, they're existing as a human being, uh, what if it went both ways in that way? You know, it wasn't senpai kohai, it was senpai kohai, kohai senpai, and therefore they're both kind of redundant and we're all in a circle instead of in lines and, you know, one person out the front and bowing yeah, so, to each so, other and things like that. So so we've done pretty much the same thing with, with, with that chart. So I call I call it the traditional and modern model. Uh-huh. The traditional model is that, you know, the, the, the kohai comes in, so the kohai is the for those who don't know, the student who steps in, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of them looking up to people up to make them better, in ours is that uh, the, the uh, beginner steps in and the responsibility of other group is to provide information towards the student, right? Yes. So it's not that he's have to follow. Mm-hmm. There, every student higher than a kohai is responsible for well-being of that person and technical development right so i cannot be everywhere all the time so i need to have that feedback circle that every link is looking up to the first beginner and like you said respect courtesy everything it has to come from the top not being demanded from the bottom if that makes sense Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. We agree on so many things. This is why I love this podcast. (laughs) I get to have such cool conversations with cool people like you, Liz. Thank you. I have one final question, which I ask everybody, as you know, which is we often hear people saying things like karate saved me, right? Some of your students probably say something like that, you know, before karate I was you know, not able, not wanting to do anything. And now I have this determination to get a black belt or before karate and, and now this or whatever it might be. And, and it means so many different things for different people. And in all the time I've been asking this question, it's sort of shifted more towards not just, you know, karate saved my life, which is the, the far end of the spectrum where, which most people would hear. But in reality, oftentimes they mean karate changed my life, right? So why do you think that is? Why do I think that is? Um, mm. I think because you are put into difficult environment, 
that teaches you that failure control, mm-hmm. uh, control failure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are learning more about yourself through a um, difficult physical challenges, difficult mental challenges within non-judgmental supportive environment, which is very important. Not every dojo or, or club is uh, <clears throat> doing this, but I think if you find the right one, uh, in that way, martial arts or other sports will uh, change your life for positive. Yeah, I love it. Uh, is there any other topics that you would like to touch on as part of this conversation? I mean, given my audience being martial artists and a lot of martial artists that have struggled with their mental health. Uh, I would just say that, you know, <clears throat> try. Maybe not the first club going to be best for you, but don't afraid to step to the other clubs and change. <clears throat> I see a lot of people afraid and talk to a lot of people who are afraid of, oh, no, I need to be loyal to my club, I cannot go somewhere else. No, no, you, your club needs to be loyal to you, right? Mm-hmm. So um, my view of loyalty is this. I have to be loyal to my students, and in that, that loyalty, the best interest of my student is the top, on top, right? Mm-hmm. So if I see the student who might want to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I recommend the club. And I rather have a friend who enjoys Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Taekwondo, Aikido, whatever, than an unhappy, mediocre student who is coming to my club because he feels obliged. Mm-hmm. So we all need to give ourselves a freedom to do whatever we think. And sometimes it is difficult to know what we like if you're not being encouraged to go, right? Because mm-hmm. people go for martial arts. This is karate. I'm going for karate. I'm going to like it. So I like, that was that what happened to me. I went to the dojo and my teacher said, listen, there's three other schools. Go and check them first and choose the one that you like. I never looked back from that, that teacher. And I've been doing most of martial arts at least once to try. So that's what I encourage my students. Just go out there, try as much as you can. Choose the thing which suits you the best, the instructor that suits you the best, and just be happy doing stuff. It doesn't have to be karate. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's great advice. Um, and we spoke about them just briefly, but again, would you plug your books for everyone and let everyone know where they can get in contact with you online should they so wish? So online, everything, Les Bubka, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Facebook, um, Instagram, uh, YouTube channel, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon, although I'm trying to kind of slow down the uh, social media side mm-hmm. I'm getting a bit tired of it so it's going to be less stuff but le- uh, info at lesbuka co.uk you can uh, get a hang of me via email uh, my books are available on Amazon uh, the, the first one I wrote is Anxious Black Belt that's my story there is a mental health uh, journal uh, which we just done a for martial artists as well so not specific karate when you can uh, track your progression track your moods improvements of a in mental health as well so this is very popular with uh, karate guys in uk mm-hmm. and my latest book is a dark side of karate where we look at what's lurking in the shadows of martial arts school and and it's great feedback from people as well 
because so many people went through that political turmoil and um, not so gallant behaviors in, in martial arts. For sure. Thank you so much. We will put links to all of those resources um, and sites in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on, Liz. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Have you thought of something to be grateful for today? What was it? I'm grateful for the amazing women that train with me at the Fight Back Project. I'm grateful for Nari and the beautiful song Shape Me heard at the beginning and end of every episode. And I'm grateful for you for listening to this show and helping martial arts keep saving lives. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to leave me a review to help more people find the show, that's a bonus. You need to know that nobody shapes me but me. Don't gotta tell you what my name is, I don't gotta explain it. Walk in the room, hear a boom erupting like I'm famous. I'm here shedding shells, I'm shameless. I fear nothing, no complacence. Walk to many tight ropes with no hope, so I became this poster they hold over all the heads of trauma holders. You don't need to know my history, I move boulders. Atlas shrug, cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders. No pretense of defense, move first like chess soldiers. This goes deeper than empowerment, cause... I'm the one the power it. Physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring. If I can't change the scenery, at least I change perspectives. No longer isolated, but elevated and selective. Darkest places become beautiful spaces. This is where rage meets patience. Meets power meets gracious. Meets, we're so glad you came in. The feeling is contagious. When you the walking impact of intended bad intentions. When you the manifest enough collecting all they tensions. You the soul and body hold it all and still remember. But I'm a work in progress, testament to all contenders. Forgot what it was like to have control over self. Forgot what it was like to be the one in charge. Forgot in my reflection, I can see all my wealth. Forgot that with my bare hands, I break all these bars, barriers, and obstacles. They can't cage me, they can't chronicle all my, all my experiences and reduce them to appearances. When I was truly beaten, gave myself clearances to fall down, mess up, and get myself back up. I'm not looking for clovers, cause I don't believe in luck. Damn, you were badass, I heard them say it clearly. Why, thank you very much, I know now I'm not weary of what's next for me. Cause I expect to see growth like I was planted, watered, fed, and bloomed to be. The positivity and accountability. Knowing they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency. I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin. Boundaries, I know them well. Take a breath and meditate. Who is she? I know her well. Now I get to open gates. One, two, one, two. I don't need your permission. And if you get uncomfortable, then use your intuition to know that I won't stay where respect is ever missing. And everything I do, that's me making decisions. It's truly underrated the value of self worth. Forget that I was rich from the moment of my birth. A penny for my thoughts, no really, you can't afford it You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it, huh?